Greetings, beautiful people. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Happy interview Friday. I just made that up, I guess, because I release on Fridays and it's interview episodes we're back to. I figured I'll call it interview Friday. So today we have with us Anne Justy, who is a yoga therapist, and she's going to She's going to share with us a little about yoga therapy and some other components of, you know, different strategies for recovery, share her experience with dealing with recovery and, you know, just kind of enlighten us. So please welcome me and joining, please join me in welcoming. Wow. I'm, this is what sobriety gets you. I can't even talk. (laughs) Please join me in welcoming Anne to the show. Thank you. Well, hello, Ian. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Oh, great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Oh, I'm excited. You, you offer some skills that my folks need to hear about. Um, do you mind introducing yourself so they can get to know you a little? Sure. My name is Ann Justy, and I'm a yoga therapist. I'm also a life coach, and I uh, run a company called DevotedYoga.net. Now, I'm not your average. Let me explain to you what a yoga therapist is. I don't hold yoga classes as a yoga therapist. I literally hold classes that are for specific outcomes or usually for the actual individual. So your folks wouldn't go into a yoga, regular yoga class and do some um, meditation and asanas and expect really as much relief as something specific to uh, what triggers that the gambling person does. So I'm, I'm, I'm tailoring it and all yoga therapists will tailor it for a specific outcome and for their specific clients. So that's the difference between regular yoga and yoga therapy. Right. Okay. Um, did you want to share like where you're from or anything? Um, well, I, I, um, I'm originally from Los Angeles. I've traveled all around the world. I currently reside just a mile North of New York city in Yonkers, New York. Based on the internet, I'm, you know, we're reaching everybody in the world. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, so you know that the show is about gambling addiction and addiction uh-huh. in general, and that's kind of my passion. Um, so do you mind sharing why, why I brought you on here or a little about your connection with addiction? Um, it's personal to me and the kind of addiction I've been surrounded by is mainly drugs and alcohol. I've not been an addict, but I've been around people who've had, you know, like my first husband, not only fell off the wagon, but he forgot to pay the health insurance bill. And I wound up with no health insurance and it nearly bankrupted me because they wouldn't let me just repay it. Um, I've been a victim of domestic violence because um, my second husband, it had a, had a, a drug and alcohol problem and his temper was really bad. And that's actually how I became a yoga therapist. I had PTSD, so I understand triggers. And then, and, and then yoga therapy actually helped me. Traditional therapy wasn't helping me. And Al-Anon helped me. And I now practice it every day. I've been sober for 16 years of my choice. And I found a huge difference in my life when I didn't have anything that would be considered addictive. And I practice the four step in fear inventory actually every day. It's kind of how I manage what's going on in my brain. Yeah, I think that the four step is good for everybody, whether they're in recovery or not. (laughs) 
the world would be a whole different place if everybody did the fourth step. We just did it um, last month, actually. So that's, that's kind of why I wanted to introduce you to my audience was you bring something different to the table. I wouldn't have thought of yoga therapy if I didn't meet you, you know, in our classroom setting. I wouldn't know how it tied in or how it helps. So if you want to discuss like how it helps them overcome triggers, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And, and I, as I said, I've experienced triggers. I've even had some compulsion around even overspending and, and still I'm in debt from my overspending and not paying attention. So what I want to talk about is two different things. There are very easy, and I'm going to be going over several of them, very easy things that your people can do that are mindfulness as in I'm watching my thoughts. I'm connecting to my body. I'm feeling my breath. I'm at choice at how I react to stimulus or even a thought, you know, I have, I had the, the example that I found in one of the mindful books on, on gambling is that I have $20 in my pocket. Ooh, I'd like to place that for a bet because I have an extra 20 bucks. So instead of that, then you sit there and you do what's called a three-part breathe. And you literally feel your body and your breath and you slow down and you say, okay, what choice do I want to make here? Instead of like, oh, well, that means that I'll go find someplace to gamble. I'm now making a conscious choice of... I've felt my breath, I've felt my body, I'm looking around my surroundings, and I'm choosing what do I want to do about that thought. It's not like thought action. It's not like you're driving a car where you're automatically not, you're not the same as a 16-year-old learning, oh, God, I have to, now I have to step on the brake, now I got to step on the gas, now this is, I got to turn on the turn signal, because when you drive now, it's just I turn on the turn signal because I'm, I'm thinking about turning, but I don't really say to my left hand, okay, turn the turn signal on. And, and now this is how we steer. And so we're going back to basically how you were at 16 and saying, okay, I want to do this. Now, what do I do next? And what are my choices? And that's just one of the things. And you can observe your thoughts just because I had a thought that I want to drink or gamble doesn't mean I have to do it. I can just say, oh, and one of the other techniques that I thought was really neat, and I'll tell you about how you can get these um, handbooks, is that I can think of it as like surfing. Waves come and go. So I have the thought, I want to gamble. And then I just ride it out because I know the, the wave's going to ebb and flow. Um, another is to picture yourself as a mountain, meaning... The mountain sitting there and despite, you know, you know, wind and snow and rain and hikers and earthquakes and whatever, it's just being the mountain and it's just and there's a blue sky above the clouds. And so if you do use these visualizations or this knowing it's going to be an ebb or flow or you're consciously choosing your choice uh, and you'll find it pervading to a lot of other areas and that's what gets taught in yoga therapy 
Um, actually, this gets in the yoga therapy I use. I I use a book called Sacred Therapy. I also use something called Subconscious Visual Techniques, and these are very intricate um, chanting and meditate at what called active meditation. You're doing active meditations. There's seven steps to it. It's 45 minutes long. Um, it was developed by a psychiatrist who actually studied every kind of for every one of the techniques he has for a specific mental health illness. He tested the outcomes of how it, how it did on a, a range of clients. And I'm not going into that. What I'm suggesting to your readers right now that they can use immediately is the things that I talked about. And even when I talk about breath awareness of I'm breathing in, I'm pausing, I'm breathing out, and I'm slowing down my breath, and I'm pausing, I'm not letting my... I'm actually consciously breathing. That's a technique that's mindful that they can use right now. They don't have to go to yoga therapy. If they want something intense, if they want something that they feel is going to be a real long-term, more successful rate at recovery, then they can go into yoga therapy. But there's lots of different things. And when I was overcoming PTSD, I didn't just use you know, yoga therapy, rebirthing, um, Al-Anon. I used lots of different things. I had talk therapy. I had group therapy. I did my regular yoga and meditation on top of yoga therapy. That, so what I'm saying to you is if they use multiple things, and also you wouldn't do, you wouldn't sit there in the middle of, let's say that you're at a party or you pass by a church and they're having a, uh, uh, casino night, you're not going to sit, you're not going to sit there and, and break into your 45 minute um, practice. You're literally going to adjust your breathing as though if you were startled or you were surprised, you'd be going, <gasps> and then what you do is you go back to normal breathing. But now I'm asking you to be conscious of your breathing, conscious of your thoughts, feel something in your body. Where's your feet? How, how are you related to gravity? What, do you, is, what sensation are you feeling? What are you hearing? What, and there are different meditations in the, I'm going to talk about the Canada, I'm going to refer to the Harvard book or the Canada book because those are two resources I'm going to give your readers a link to that they can get and download PDF handbooks that are not mine, but they were put out by governmental agencies to help people and it's um, things that have been studied that really help them do the maintenance. They're real hands-on. They don't have to hire a yoga therapist. The things that, so it depends on the depth of what you want to do in terms of how you want to study it in terms of what you do. So I'm just trying to help them today with lots of different techniques that they can use by themselves in all different kinds of situations. Because if you regulate your breathing and you regulate and you check in with the body feelings and you check in with my, I have spaciousness between my thoughts and my actions, nobody's going to notice. And you're managing yourself, your addiction. So how so, do they learn how to do that? It's, it's um, as I said, there are handbooks and also it's, it's as simple as you can do it now. I, I can like, like the waves coming in, like I see a casino night and I have an extra 20 bucks in my pocket. I sit there and I go, okay, breathe in slowly, pause, breathe out slowly, pause, 
I feel that my feet are on the floor. I feel maybe a tightness in my chest or a weight on my shoulders. I have this urge and I look around and I say, yeah, I'm safe. I'm in a safe environment. I'm at choice. Oh, just because they have a casino night and just because I have an extra $20 doesn't mean I have to go in, doesn't mean I have to gamble. I can just, and then there's something called mindful walking. Where, how am I moving my body? And mindfulness literally is observing your breath, your mind, your thoughts, and being a choice for what I do and slowing things down. It's not, a, it's not an absolute neuron synapsis. Oh, I'm turning left, so I'm just going to quickly turn to the left. I'm actually saying, okay, now i got to turn my hand and my torso and my leg. Okay, I see the distinction. I, I recently read a, well, it was listening to CDs, and the gentleman, and I hope I don't screw this up, but he says that there's four different ways of learning. I think I have the poster somewhere, but there's the unconscious learning and then the conscious learning. So uh -huh. the conscious learning, it sounds like when you're talking about shifting your body, but the unconscious is the habit, like we talked about before you got on air, about right. you turn the turn signal on when you're driving. So that's good. You're reinforcing some of the messages that I've heard. Right. So um, when I look at the, at the diagram that the Canadian book has out, and that is that I have a trigger. I found the $20 in my pocket at the reaction of a dream of a win, because we'd all love to be having the lottery or the thrill of a win or the thrill of a surprise or a risk. Um, then I can, at that point, go to my breathing and then go to observe my thoughts and then I can decide how I want a response. And also when I observe my thoughts, I also check in with my body. Whereas the normal pattern for somebody with compulsion would be, um, I'm going to win. I then lapse and gamble and then I have a win or an outcome. And then I go back to always having that trigger. And now I can decide I can just slow down. And literally we're talking about breathing. Maybe that's three seconds, body check-in. Maybe that's three seconds thoughts. So we're talking about less than 30 seconds. They can do this it's not going to appear to anybody who's around them that they're doing it. And it's a little awkward at first. It's kind of like when you're learning to drive, it was a little awkward at first, but if you remember the three things that you're doing that you can do, then it just becomes pretty much a habit and you have a lot of other choices. And then there's um, uh, another Harvard pamphlet that has a lot of things that you can do to reinforce how you want to plan your day. Like I'm going out today and I'm in a social situation and I might be tempted to gamble because I'm in a social situation. One of the, one of the ways that I find that I'm successful and that we're taught mm -hmm. through some of my recovery experiences is to practice before you're in that situation. So to build right, right. up the walls. So would you suggest that that applies with this too, that, that we should be. Yes. In fact, um, I would say to them that there are a lot of things that lend to the compulsion. And that is like, if you're doing, you're brushing your teeth or drinking tea or washing dishes or taking a shower, do you notice the sensation of the water on your skin? Do you literally, when you drink tea, are you thinking about 
savoring it on your tongue and watching, you know, and following the sensations all the way down? Are you noticing whether it's hot or cold? What's the velocity of the water? Um, that, you know, at what point does your toothpaste start to foam? At what point are you are, are what quadrant are you in your, in your mouth? And most people are just brushing their teeth. And like, I'll give you another example if they want to try more mindfulness. If they're right hand dominant, try doing everything with your left hand. You'll get real mindful and slow down there. <laughs> so, um, so what you do is then you decide also, um, I, I also, there's a book called Atomic Habits, and they said that if you're introducing a new habit, that you do it in a specific way. You first introduce micro habits. So noticing your breath is literally a micro habit. I'm not saying go do this for 45 minutes, you know, do this complex yoga therapy. Now that might help you really, really kick the gambling habit and really not get you know in other words it really ensures and trains your brain because what it's doing is it's going into the subconscious and it's detaching your association and memory for gambling by using some very strange techniques you go well why would that you know i put my thumbs to my forehead and i clench my and unclench my jaw and i'm making different sounds and you go How's that going to help me with gambling? Because it, it's just a subconscious way of, of reassociating the compulsion because the compulsion sets up a certain subconscious memory wave. And that's why it's so complex. I'd rather give them very quick and easy tools that right now while we're, we're in this podcast. And then my, um, my gift to you guys is that all my research in this area I'm going to be having a menu item on my website so that you can just download all the resources you need for mindfulness, mindfulness in, in gambling. And when I talk about the Harvard and the Connecticut book, these are actual handbooks for gamblers to say, you know, the Harvard says, these are five techniques you can do every day to help yourself prepare. The, um, the one that Canada, it's a 150 page book that covers everything from how do I be mindful in everyday activities to what I do at the time of impulse to how I can prepare by ourselves. And then if you want to take a deep dive into yoga therapy, you need to spend about 45 minutes between 40 and 120 days to really, really have a good, uh, probably an over 50% chance of never relapsing, but it takes a very concerted effort. Whereas the other ones are more, manageable and i would say combine everything do everything that, and also it's like a yoga class there's iyengar and there's bikram and there's you know there's hot yoga and, and there's yoga flow and there's iyengar which is more stationary and some people don't like hot yoga some people don't like stationary some people don't like flow yoga they like regular old ordinary yoga i would say really go and try these things for a few weeks and see what really sticks in and and fits into your lifestyle because that's what's going to really work for you it's like no diet is really gonna fit every person because right. they learn differently they have different associations people have different associations with gambling or addiction well one of my rules that i advocate for and that i've used is my rule of three, which is if you're going to try any new 
activity, especially self-care activities, to try it at least three times before giving up or making a decision. And yoga is one of those things that I, why I'm passionate about that rule, yoga, church, there's a couple other things. But I walked out of the first couple yoga classes I went to. It, it did not turn me on at all. And then I thought it was all the same, you know, that, but as I tried different instructors and different flavors of it, I still can't, I still don't know what all that fancy stuff was that you just said, but um, I know that I like it at the Y and that it makes me feel good, you know. Well, the, think about it this way, you know, one would be badminton, the other, it would be the difference between badminton and tennis and uh, racquetball. They're all, they're all racket sports, but they're very played very differently. The speed of them is very different. The feel of them is very different. And that's the thing. And everybody lumps yoga all together. And what I've actually been talking about is mindfulness. And yoga, people think of it as, okay, I'm sitting a stationary meditation or I'm doing these poses that I can't really get into. And what I'm talking about is literally just slowing down your breath, noticing your body, thinking about your thoughts, um, using simple muscle techniques. Like one of the relaxation techniques is that most gamblers experience some sport form of especially people in recovery you get a trigger you become anxious so how about just clenching your hands and relaxing your hands and maybe you clench other places in your body and you relax them and you'll notice that the sensation of your anxiety will start dissipating because you've taken your attention off of the anxious thought oh my god there's a trigger oh my god i don't want to gamble again what can i do I clench my hands, I relax my hands, maybe I clench, you know, my shoulders and I relax them. And I really cannot simultaneously have anxiety or fear at the same time I'm mindful or doing something else. In other words, it breaks up the thought patterns that you have to say, oh, I have to go back to the fact that I just had a trigger. Okay, I got it. <laughs> so, and, and some of them are fairly easy to use but it's remembering to use them. Yeah, that's why I would advocate for doing them before the trigger because when we're in the zone, like for starters, we think about gambling. It could be a minute before the bet or it could be a year before the bet. In my case, with my relapse, it was months. I, I wouldn't shut off the mail. So I kept getting the free play and I ended up out of the blue. It didn't feel like a trigger or an urge. And I had an hour and a half between when I had the thought and when I got there. Um, and then it was reckless from there on out. I couldn't, there wasn't, it wasn't just triggers. It was almost a trance. It was, it was like, I, I have to do it. Yeah. And when you practice, when I talked about mindfulness of daily exercises, if you start noticing all the things that you see, all the things that you hear, all the things that you feel, life will be a lot more richer and you'll notice that things are slower and therefore you'll be much more aware of, oh, I see this. Do I have to act on it? Do I not have to act on it? How? And then the other thing is that a lot of people say, oh, it's a trigger. I've got to avoid that. Kind of think about the way I talked about it being a wave. Okay. Experience the discomfort of 
oh, there's a trigger, I want to do something about it, and know that it's going to lessen if you just watch it. It's kind of like watching a cloud or feeling like you're in a wave. It's sort of in control, it's sort of out of the control, and you know that if you just, and if you know, and if you do things to interrupt what you're thinking about or what you're feeling, that you'll be less, you'll know, okay, this wave's going to go away. And I can, like, I can ride the wave into the beach and then safely be on the beach. Okay, I understand. So do you, do you work with clients, like, doing this? Yes, I do, I do this, but I do the really intense yoga therapy that's done in sacred therapies. I also go into something called rebirthing, which is another, it's similar to uh, subconscious visualization techniques in that, it's a really interesting way for somebody to do an active meditation to visualization or active, um, you can do it all in a chair. You don't have to be cross-legged. You don't have to, and you can just do these activities and they, they act on your nervous system and your subconscious to, to disrupt the associations you have with it. So you're not reliving a trigger. You're not talking about gambling. It's, it's the weirdest thing because some I was like when I was in PTSD, I was like, I can't live like this. I can, I'm like, I'm in panic and paranoia constantly. I can't, I can barely hold down my job. This is not like me. I've never had mental health problems before. And I, I was desperate. So somebody said, oh, well, they're having this class. It's in a three hour class about, you know, um, getting rid of painful memories. And I'm like, okay, I'm all in. I, I don't care what I have to do. And then I went to the class thinking, oh, it's just going to be a good three-hour yoga class. And then I walked out of there and realized that I like woke up the next morning not dreading going outside my house. Or I wasn't like, and I was like, what happened? Really? <laughs> Overnight? And then when I kept up you know, you'll have a relief, but then you have to keep up certain practices for the 40 to 120 days to, and you can do that on your own. So like I could go, if you got the, you know, I could spend a couple hours with you going over the, the, what you need to do and be there to answer your questions or things like that. And then you can be on your own. So it's not, I, I don't do long, you know, I, most of my clients, I say this to them, I, um, if you don't come back to me, it means I did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but I'm saying that there, I was just amazed when I went online to see all the really nice self-help resources that are available out there and the studies that have been done on them, that they, they literally did the mindfulness techniques that we talked about during the show. And there are others that are in there. They're just like more they're taking these and combining them together. And so there's a lot of different things that they could do because these are readily accessible to people. And uh, they can also use this in conjunction with any other kind of support. Like, I don't know if you guys go to therapists or you guys go to group and they can use this in conjunction with anything to, to help themselves. And so it was really nice that, that this has been studied. So when I sit there and say that your relapse is going to probably, if you really do a, you really do these things in, in serious, like for 120 days in a row, that your chance of relapse is less than 50%. It's actually been studied by like about four or five studies. And I was like, wow, it's that significant. Yeah, that's yeah. impressive. So if they, um, 
if they wanted to reach out to you and and have your help with it, like you said, to keep right. them or whatever, can you do it virtually? Like in yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, because what I would do is it would probably require me emailing them because I want them to have the lesson plans and the pictures, and then I would be on with them, and then they could see me go through it. You know, they could actually see me do. You know, this is what you do on step one, and this is what, and I can be there for the hour and or so or two that, to go over it. But what I wanted to say is that I'm not really here um, trying to help get new clients. What I'm here to say is that these are readily available to you. They're very easy. You've now heard some that you could just, you know, you listen to this or replay this, you can get it. But if they go to my website called devotedyoga.net, not com, but net, there'll be a menu item called three to one, no kidding. And on that will be all the links that they can go to to find out about mindfulness and about these two different handbooks as well as some other books that can help them. And they're all, and, and other than buying a couple books that I recommend, they're all free. Okay. They're all downloadable. Yeah, I wasn't, <laughs> I just want to make sure that um, we don't walk away today without them knowing that you are a resource if they did want to reach out. Yeah. Um, I, I advocate for, it's not one size fits all, right. not setting is not one size fits all. And to your point, there should be a lot of different strategies involved and mindfulness and meditation are something that are part of my life now that they didn't used to be. Um, I actually used to be one of those jerks that was like, people meditate? That's goofy. Like, why are they sitting there? You know, and now I don't want to go a day without it. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure it was clear that you were a resource. Yeah. And um, the other thing that we didn't, I, I'm looking at my notes, and one thing we didn't cover is that there are a lot of people, and I used to be a, I used to be a sensation junkie, and so um, one of the things that I, I actually do, um, I teach a partnered meditation practice on sensation. And part of what we talk about is having a balance in your life of things that flood the system with sensations. Like if I have a really intent, like we're having an intense conversation or I'm skydiving or doing roller coasting or I'm, I'm really full out dancing, that's flooding your sensations, or I'm going to a concert, that's real flooding sensations, okay? And you have a balance of restorative, that means mindful walking, or volunteer service, or doing dance, or movement, or working out, with things like I told you about, like having a journal, going to a 12-step meeting, meditation, art, my fear inventory every day. So one is flooding, one is restorative because that's helping you digest your flooding of all these sensations. And the other is reflection or clarifying. I'm really thinking about this. I'm getting curious about, because when I try to make changes in my life, um, and I'm, you know, I'm working, I'm working the Atomic Habits book, um, you know, because I want to, I, I want to put some, I wanted to look at somebody who's really studied habits and how I can really make that habit stick. 
And um, so that's where I'm looking at the reflection. So I'm doing a lot of journaling and doing, I'm doing something that's similar to fear inventory. It's a really interesting thing called belief inventory because my fears may be actually based on belief and identity of who I am. So you realize that your, your, your clients, who you are now, I'm assuming is different than when you were actively gambling. Oh, a hundred percent. Right. And so what happens is that you readjust your habits and your activities in the way that you act in the world because you're now in recovery. For me, it's funny because I think about this a lot, both with my gambling and my alcohol use. There's staples, like for example, I'll use volleyball or Zumba. I did both those activities and they were both priorities for me, whether I was gambling or drinking. Although I would show up at both drunk at times. So I would <laughs> commingle them, you know, so that's like a big difference. So the things are still important to me. It's just a different way. I think where I'm different is on the inside out. You know, it was always me, 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 you know, when I was gambling, didn't worry about anybody else. And now I'm on a different path. I want to help people. I want to get the universe to understand that, hey, gambling's a thing. It's a dangerous thing and um, it can be prevented. And I, I also am pretty passionate about there's 12 step, for example, I'm a fan. I've been to GA, love it, but it's very black and white sometimes, or you can come across people that are very black and white, Well, you got to follow 12 step. Like they're, you know, forget that breathing stuff. It's 12 step or die kind of mentality. And I don't want to be like that. I want yeah. people to know that they can try different things. It's, it's not one size fits all. Uh, and, and the other thing I always want to say about, and people warned me when I went to Al-Anon, they go, well, you know, you know, don't always think that the first group you go to would be the one that you really think is your home group and you feel at home. And for me, it was really a strange thing. The first Al-Anon uh, meeting I went to turned out to be my home group. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I tried other things because people go, well, are you sure that it's really your home group? And then when I went to another group and it was Al-Anon and they were doing just a good, fabulous service job, but it was just the personality or I don't know what it was. It was like, no, I can't stay here. No, this doesn't feel good. And I was going back to my home group. Um, so yeah, it's, it's things like that. It's, it's who you want to, it's, it's the activities and, and um, what you want to do. I'm just, I'm trying to offer various ways that people can, can manage this. And the other thing I can say is that even if you add mindfulness into your life, there's no harm. You actually slow down and how many people have really, really tasted their food or really smelled their food before they even tasted it? Or did they really, did they notice how the, the, I mean, if you talk about, I talk about, you know, drinking water or tea, um, they're really not slowing down to see the richness of their senses. And they really have a more rich, fulfilling life by just being mindful. And they're much a choice from it as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to learn um, how to walk, walking meditation. Mm -hmm. I've been practicing for a couple days and it's way harder than one would think. Well, actually, I mean, I can, I can, it's, it, it's in the uh, Canada book, but 
Like, uh, I'll, I'll give you a scenario. So if he's not mindful, he's, he, this guy's walking, says, I, I, I'm in a hurry. I'm, I got to hurry because I must be on time. I'm still upset about a, something that a friend of mine said. So I got to stop thinking about that. And then when I'll get there, I'll make an excuse because I, I might be, he's thinking that he's going to be late. So he's going to make an excuse about the bus. And I hope I can catch up with, you know, um, a game tonight. Um, better check my messages on, on finding a game. And, uh, hey, uh, that bicycle just, just cut me off. Whereas when he's mindful, not only is he paying attention to how his body's moving and feeling, hum, I'm thinking I might be late. I'll walk fast, good exercise, breathe in, breathe out, do it. He's breathing faster because he's, he's upping his pace of walking. The air feels good in my lungs. I'm still upset about my friend. No big deal. We'll talk it out later. I feel my feet touching the sidewalk, breathing out. The cracks in the sidewalks feel bumpy. Oh, look, there's Joe, my friend. Hi. He's breathe in. It's May and people have their bikes out already. Isn't that nice? Breathing out. One, two, three, four. Is that Robin? Oh, hi. Nice to see you. In other words, he's noticing his body as well as what's going on. And he also feels that because he's upset with his friend or he's late, he can choose how he is late or how he deals with being late or how he deals with being upset. And in the same way, he can deal with any trigger or thought that comes up. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. Thank you. Is there anything that I missed, Dan? I don't, I don't think. I just, I'm going to recap it for you guys. Um, there are lots of different mindful techniques that you can use. Um, there's uh, things you can use in the moment. As you said, it's good to practice them before you have the triggers. There's actual maintenance. So it's similar to if I exercise and I'm very flexible, if I have to move my body quickly because some bicyclist cut me off, it's different than what I'm going to do for my everyday workout at home. So my everyday workout is like myself and, you know, my work, my relaxation and my meditation and things like that. And there are brief breathing and mindful exercises that you don't think of as yoga. And there really aren't, they're in the umbrella of yoga, but they're really not like clenching and, and, and relaxing your hands. You don't think of as yoga, but yet it is. Um, so they have the three part breathing. They can observe their thoughts. They can do mindful walking. I love the urge surfing. Ooh. And you can do this even when you have, you know, cause you talked about anger at one of your pod, you know, one of your podcasts and, Oh, I'm angry. Okay. That sensation is going to subside or do I do something to interrupt it? And then um, we talked about balancing what's a flooding, like I'm going on a roller coaster versus I'm going for a walk versus I'm doing my 12 step or I'm journaling or I'm just plain old relaxing and meditating. Um, that you need a balance of those three. And then you can take a deep dive into yoga therapy that's meant to disrupt your subconscious attachment with the urges through subconscious visualization. I do sacred therapies. There are other yoga, just like there are many different yoga types of yoga, there are many different types of yoga therapy. We have specialized training. So yoga, yoga instructors don't do, I mean, I'm, I got my yoga instructor license and then I got my yoga 
therapy license. So they're, they're not all the same. Use many different things. It's kind of like spices in your, in your kitchen, you know, pepper's not the same as salt and you can use however you, how many you can to just help yourself and go. And I just want to remind them that the resources that I found and that I can help you with will be on my website for free. That's 321NoKidden at devotedyoga.net. So I really appreciate all the things I've learned in, in preparing for this, this podcast and all the things that are available to me. And it actually helps me with some of my other clients as well. So I actually expanded my knowledge in preparing for this, that there's so much out there that's been studied and done and that people have found success in, in many different ways of being mindful and in yoga therapy. Well, I'm glad it was a benefit to you because it's definitely a benefit to us. I appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today. Um, if, if we didn't forget anything, I will say nope. goodbye, but you did an excellent job and we're glad to have had you. Well, I thank you for having me on and I wish you guys uh, a mindful journey to successful living. I love it. Thanks, Anne. I will have Anne's information in the show notes so that you can reach out to Anne if you're interested in yoga therapy, learning a little more about it or working directly with Anne. All right, beautiful people. I hope you have a fabulous weekend. Talk to you soon. Oh, you